0: Hi, this is Coach Ron, The Menopause Guy. I am your accidental tour guide through the challenges of change of life. You see, all of my previous partners, three of them now, (laughs) have gone through menopause and I've helped each one in my own way, but I've learned a lot along the way by talking to doctors, nutritionists, uh, dieticians, Reiki experts. And I met someone who makes menopause women, Crohn's who you will meet. Her name is Nancy Ostapo, she's amazing. So this is our adventure together. We're taking the menopause guide worldwide. Hello, everybody. Welcome to day five of the 21 Day Chill Out Challenge. Today. way or another isn't it right ladies we've got uh we've got taylor reference here today she is nurse practitioner am i correct uh taylor
1: yes you are correct
0: and uh she is amazing she loves on you as much as i do she's she's all about taking care of you and answering your questions today but let's start with a quote by brene brown brene brown and i both believe this we don't have to do this alone. We were never meant to. Isn't that a great quote? I'm a, I'm a big Renee Brown fan. Uh, her, her, talk, her TED Talks and her talks on shame and, uh, and value are, are really, really super important to all of us, not, not just the women. So uh, Taylor's gonna answer some questions. We had some questions in the group already because some of you couldn't make it through to working. But uh, Taylor's going to present first, and then we're going to come back uh, after the half hour with a few, with with some of the Q and A's, and a little, maybe a little bit more teaching for you ladies. So without further ado, Taylor Murphy.
1: Thank you, Ron. I'm really happy to be here and sharing with you all today. Um, I like like Ron said, I'm a nurse practitioner. I'm a women's health nurse practitioner. Uh, my most recent role was as a breast cancer nurse practitioner. So um, menopause is really, really, it's something that I have been working with with women for the past year, and it's uh, really close to my heart because I've walked with a lot of women through this. Um, women going through breast cancer diagnoses were much more concerned about their hot flashes and their vaginal dryness and their mood lability than even their breast cancer treatment sometimes, which is understandable. It affects every area of your life, um, and so it's really important to talk about. It. So I'm really glad, Ron, that you are doing this group. I think this is wonderful. Um, so I could talk about this for probably a couple hours, but I've been given about 15 minutes, so I'm going to see what I can do. Um, I've broken down – Ron asked me to talk mainly about oops, mainly about symptoms and management, so I've broken it down into the four kind of um, – into four kind of main groups of symptoms that seem to be the most, um, concerning and common complaints that women come in with. So the first group is vasomotor symptoms, this is usually the most common reason that women seek medical care. That's the hot flashes, the night sweats, that sudden sensation of heat in your face, your neck, your chest, that can persist for several minutes. Um, it also includes, well, um, can create chills in the body, sleep disruption, obviously from those night sweats, palpitations, heart palpitations, and anxiety. This is because of your skin temperature rising. Um, this is due to peripheral vasodilation, um, and it leads to an increase in your heart rate. Um, and like most things with menopause, it's related to that estrogen withdrawal. So, um, and it lowers your body set point, so your temperature, your core body temperature. Um, is decreased so the management for these vasomotor symptoms there are quite a few out there um, hormone therapy is obviously the most common treatment and I'm gonna talk I'm gonna kind of at the end of this wrap up and just talk a little bit about hormone treatment risks and everything like that um, but some other interesting and promising um, treatments for these vasomotor symptoms dietary changes, so avoiding tobacco, alcohol, caffeine, and spicy foods. Um, Tobacco also, women who smoke seem to enter menopause about two years earlier than women who do not use tobacco, so that's something to to be aware of and and, um, be mindful of. Um, Clinical hypnosis has actually been proven to be very effective for a lot of menopausal symptoms, including these vasomotor symptoms. Um, if you are seeking someone who's clinically trained in hypnosis. I'm not sure if, you're, if um, tomorrow that's going to be part of the talk, but it would be really interesting to hear more in-depth from a clinical hypnotist. Um, herbal supplements, so black cohosh, which is usually used either fresh or dried to make a tea, can also be taken in pill form or liquid form. Um, red clover and, soy, and, and uh, organic, non-genetically modified soybean products. Um, these are more anecdotal, um, and there's not a ton of evidence-based efficacy shown with these, but there is a lot of, I mean, a, a ton of anecdotal evidence for this. And so, um, it can be really, really helpful for the night sweats and the hot flashes. Um, essential oils. Some women report that using sage and lavender oil is really, really helpful, um, Progressive relaxation, not only for the hot flashes, but also for the neurocognitive symptoms, seems to be very helpful. And, um, of course, hormone therapy. There's also, um, there are a few antidepressants that have um, shown to be really effective with hot flashes. The ones that um, I have used in clinic are Zoloft and Lexapro in very low doses. Um, So I'll talk a little bit about that going into the next group of symptoms. So these are the psychologic and neurologic symptoms. Um, So I'll start with headaches. Um, A lot of women experience headaches or even migraines when they enter menopause. This is, again, due to the estrogen withdrawal. So Um, A lot of women will experience this throughout their childbearing years and when they enter puberty, and the headaches will um, subside and cease, and then they'll have a return of these um, super pleasant headaches when they enter menopause because of this estrogen withdrawal. Um, Hormone replacement therapy is not really a good treatment for headaches. Um, Some women can have an increase in their migraines with it, so um, most for headaches, the, the most effective treatment is, a, is um, finding your triggers. So a lot of triggers are dietary. Again, alcohol, caffeine, chocolate, tobacco. Um, and then dairy products and aged cheeses seem to be also triggers for headaches during, um, especially during menopause. Regular exercise, physical activity is very helpful. This also includes yoga and Tai Chi Very, very, very effective for headaches and migraines. Um, Acupuncture is something new and promising. Again, there's not a ton of clinical evidence um, yet, but there is a promising body of evidence, um, hopefully more as we go forward for acupuncture. I think it it can be really helpful. And then supplements, um, daily supplements, vitamin B2, magnesium, and CoQ10, coenzyme Q10, Seem to be the most effective, and I know this is a lot of information. So I'm going to send Ron um, a couple resources for you for you ladies because I know that this is this is a lot. Um, So I will be sending him some resources for you all to check out. Um, So the next symptom of the in this neuro and psych um, category is the anxiety, the depression, the mood lability, and the low libido. They're all connected. Again, this is due to fluctuation in estrogen and progesterone in early menopause and perimenopause, and then the decline, the withdrawal of the estrogen as you enter that late menopausal stage. Um, and so antidepressants um, can be very helpful in this situation, and if you're also having hot flashes, it can be kind of like a, a double whammy. You can you can treat the hot flashes. You can treat the, the depression and anxiety and mood lability. It seems to be a good um, – the medication is not necessarily the end-all, be-all in the treatment, but it can help that brain chemistry so it can get to a point where you can feel better and maybe do some therapy. So cognitive behavioral therapy is really, really helpful as well. Um, and then hormone replacement therapy, again, um, is often a treatment for this. And the last of this category is cognitive function issues. So specifically the most commonly reported cognitive function issue is um, uh, verbal memory loss. So being able to um, lear, uh, learn a list of words and recall that kind of memory uh, cognition. And so hormone replacement therapy for this is really not effective. Um, medications in general, not not super effective. Um, a lot of the times they think, uh, there's more research is coming out saying that if you use hormone replacement therapy and, and or supplementation early in menopause, in that perimenopause when you're younger, it can decrease the cognitive symptoms and it decreases it can decrease your risk of developing dementia or Alzheimer's disease. Um and this is a really distressing thing for women because they start to have this memory loss and they start to it it's triggering. You think, oh my gosh am I going to develop dementia or Alzheimer's? And so it's important to know that um, it's a very common symptom and it does not mean that you are developing dementia or developing Alzheimer's disease if this is something that you're experiencing. Some very helpful supplements. Um, so ginkgo bil- uh, biloba, I always uh, botch that one, but ginkgo biloba is very helpful. It's also really helpful for depression. So if you are experiencing depression um, vitamin B6, B9, and B12, so a good complex with those B vitamins, super helpful. Fish oils, so DHA and EPA are the two main um, uh, omega-3 fatty acids that are very helpful for cognition. And then vitamin E, not as uh, well-studied or, or uh, anecdotally shown to help, but still seems to be effective in some cases. So that is the psych and neuro, um category. The next, also very important, all of these are so important, and each woman has a different experience with menopause, and will have a different combination of these, or one that's the most bothersome to her, and so they're all important to talk about. Um, the next set is the genitourinary symptoms, so this is the vaginal symptoms, the bladder symptoms, um, so vaginal dryness and vaginal atrophy, they go hand in hand, um, the atrophy is how that tissue, because of the lack of, lack of estrogen, the tissue actually becomes thinner, does not have that estrogen, plumping um, it up. And um, also you have a, an a off balance of the, of the pH of, your, um, of the vagina. And this is a lot of the time related to also a decrease in the vaginal flora. So taking probiotics, um, very, very helpful, taking probiotics. Um, uh, treatments that are water-based lubricants I really like coconut oil um, if you want something really natural so coconut oil actually I think personally and from seeing this in clinic works oftentimes better than the -the over-the-counter lubricants that you could get I mean you think about it's been coconut oil has been used forever and ever and ever um, by a lot of cultures and so um, I think coconut oil is great uh, but otherwise water-based lubricants, um, again, some supplements can work. So black cohosh, red clover, and then wild yam supplements, um, are being studied more. Um, of course, topical estrogen. And so estrase and Premarin are kind of the big creams. There are also suppositories, tablets, and vaginal rings that you can use, um, And again, I'm going to circle back to that at the very end. You need to definitely work with a gynecologist, a a physician or a nurse practitioner or a PA that really knows the risks and benefits of this for you. Vaginal dilators um, are something that are being used more and more to stretch and stimulate the vaginal muscles um, because during menopause you also have narrowing of the vaginal canal. So to stimulate and stretch those muscles to make it easier for intercourse. Um, and then pelvic floor therapy, I think, uh, is one of the best things that you can do, um, whether you are, you know, just had a baby or you're entering menopause, um, it strengthens those pelvic floor muscles and it also allows them to relax, um, and that relaxation of those muscles really helps, um, especially if you have the vaginal dryness or the atrophy to kind of relax everything and allow you to, um, have intercourse more easily. Um, So those are the main treatments for those genitourinary symptoms. Another thing um, that I always recommend, you can have an increase in uh, UTIs, and you can experience incontinence, urinary incontinence. Um, And so pelvic floor therapy is very helpful for reducing the incidence of those, um, but also to see a urogynecologist. So they're highly specialized um, physicians and nurse practitioners and PAs that specifically work with women who have those urinary symptoms um, and they do all kinds of things including that pelvic floor therapy um, So the last two things that I want to talk about are musculoskeletal and then breast Which you wouldn't think breast pain would be something super distressing, but especially when you are that age and you're thinking You know, is this a risk for breast cancer? I'm in that age group where I could develop breast cancer I saw so many women in clinic for breast pain each and every day it is a distressing thing and it's important to um, to address so musculoskeletal when you have that decrease in estrogen you are at an increased risk of developing osteoporosis or osteopenia so that bone mineral density decreasing um, it's good to have a bone density scan every three years or so just to make sure that your bone density is at a healthy place um, but If you want to be preventative and make sure that you're ahead of the game, taking a vitamin D, calcium and magnesium supplement is really good. Um, You can take them separately or you can find a supplement that has them all together. Um, You can also take uh, the pharmacologic management. There are different medications and the most commonly used are Fosamax, Reclast and Boniva. So you can talk to your gynecologist about those as well but it's great to be preventative. Right when you are in perimenopause and even going towards menopause, you wanna start taking those supplements and be preventative. Weight-bearing exercise is also extremely helpful with this. So walking, um, because that decreased bone mineral density can also, and the decreased estrogen can cause joint discomfort. And the best way to get rid of that joint discomfort and to um, strengthen your bones is to do weight-bearing exercises. Walking is great. Yoga, is also really, really good. Um, and so the last thing, the breast pain. Um, so breast pain related to uh, menopause is, again, everything is back to that decrease in estrogen. Um, and so when you have a withdrawal of estrogen, your breast tissue is extremely sensitive. It's extremely sensitive to hormone change, stress, weight changes, and caffeine intake. So the best things that you can do if you're having breast pain is A, Um, See your gynecologist just to make sure that you don't have like a a benign growth in your breast that can be taken care of. Um, And otherwise, if everything is okay, it's not a sign of breast cancer. It is uh, very common and it can be treated with supplements and dietary changes. Um, So decreasing your caffeine intake, decreasing your alcohol intake, increasing your water intake, And then the two supplements that we recommend or that I recommend to my patients are vitamin E and evening primrose oil. Evening primrose oil is wonderful, and actually I should have mentioned this earlier. A lot of women do notice that it helps with vaginal dryness. It helps with libido. um, It actually helps with that brittle hair hair and nails um, and skin. And so those are really um, common and distressing things to women as well. So um, I really love vitamin or evening primrose oil. In high doses, the evening primrose oil can cause GI distress, so make sure that you ease into it. Start with the lower dose, and then kind of ease your way up if you find that you need that. Um, so those are kind of the, those are the best things for breast pain. So the last point that I'll hit. Am I okay on time, Ron? i are
0: doing great.
1: Okay, good. I'm trying real hard to get through this. It's,
0: it's all I can go. do to not start asking questions now. It's so much information. And I've taken yes, notes I today, know. and I, I know a lot about this subject at this point, but it has been amazing. So, please, keep going. Okay,
1: <laughs> very good. So, the last thing that I'll talk about is the hormone replacement therapy. It's a very um, um, kind of controversial thing. So, hormone replacement therapy, is it safe? Is it not safe? Um, that is a loaded question. It is safe for some women um it's not safe for other women and it depends on how you're taking it and you have to know the risks involved so sometimes hormone replacement therapy has been related to an increased um, incidence of breast cancer Um, it can also be linked to an increased incidence of um, endometrial cancer and so it's important to know those risks Um, that is even if you have, you know, no family history of breast cancer, no family history of endometrial cancer. Additionally, if you have, if you have a personal history or a close family history, you know, your mother, your father, your sister of heart disease, if you have high cholesterol, um, if you have gallbladder disease, if you have liver disease, if you have a history of stroke or blood clot, or if you're a smoker, hormone replacement therapy is, not going to be the best thing for you. Um, Your physician or your healthcare provider is not going to want to prescribe you hormone replacement therapy. However, some of those low dose vaginal creams um, can be safely used. They're not supposed to be systemic. It's not supposed to get into your bloodstream. The way that's supposed to work is it's supposed to just affect the vaginal tissue. Um, And so that is a that is a less risky way to use hormone replacement therapy if you're just using it for the vaginal symptoms so genitourinary symptoms. Um, And so that's a a good option for women. Um, And you don't want to take it long-term, whether it's systemic or the cream. You do not want to take it long-term. It's also um, important to know that if you're going to use hormone replacement therapy, it's better to use it in the earlier stages of menopause. So at a younger age, you have less of the risks of the blood cost, of the stroke, um, of the endometrial cancer, of the breast cancer. And um, some research has shown that if you use it early on, um, it can help with the symptoms going forward. It can be kind of like a, a, a can have lasting effects. Um, and if you can get through that really, the, the the worst kind of peak of your menopausal symptoms, that's, the best way to do it. Um, and then if you can try to manage the symptom using natural treatments um, for the rest of the time, that's the best way to do it. So it does carry those risks, um, but it can also be very helpful. And so it's really a conversation you wanna have with yourself and with your healthcare provider that you trust and see if it's the right thing for you to use, um, or if there's a something more natural that you can, um, that you can try that, that might work for you. So it's really an ongoing conversation and, and, and cost-benefit analysis that you have to do with the hormone replacement therapy. You also, if you have had a hysterectomy, um, you can then use on a post-estrogen, but if you've not had a hysterectomy, you want to make sure that your um, hormone replacement therapy does include progesterone. That Otherwise, you, you have a very increased risk of developing endometrial cancer, and um Sometimes doctors, health healthcare providers, miss that, and so you want to definitely take initiative with your health and make sure that they know, hey, I have a uterus still, I need to take estrogen with progesterone, and I don't, I can't take that post estrogen. So that's also something to be aware of. So I think I hit all hit all of what I wanted to say, um, and I'm happy to answer questions.
0: Uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna ask D to ask questions in about ten minutes or so. Okay. I, I want to go back and reinforce what you said because so much information and so strong and so powerful so I'm going to work my way backwards. The hormonal replacement therapy, I think the lady should really take to heart that topically is a, the best alternative if that works for you. Yes. And Again, um, you ask your doctor and we talked yesterday about uh, how to talk to your doctor because uh, sometimes it's more of a um, a lecture than a discussion, and it really should be a discussion, because for each woman involved here, as, as you well stated, some things work for some women, some things work for other women, some things work for all women. I love the way that you broke down the natural things that we can do, because I'm a huge fan of more water. I'm a huge fan of walking. But walking also gives us that vitamin D deficiency. Uh, that takes, it takes care of two symptoms, and there are many, many things that um, Taylor talked about today. It took care of multiple symptoms. So that's really important information. If you need to go back and replay uh, this in the Facebook group or if you missed it, it at work today, turn off the TV. Turn off Facebook, the rest of Facebook for, for about half an hour and watch this because this this, is re- this was really powerful information. So motor symptoms, hypnosis, uh, and acupuncture, yes, we've gotten a lot of anecdotal evidence that those things Mm -hmm. are very, very good. Uh, What we need is more women's health studies, and uh, that's something that I've been advocated for and and will be advocating for. If I can get some of the ladies to join me in that movement, uh, it benefits Mm -hmm. everybody, of course. The red clover, the soybeans, again, anecdotal, but women all over the world have had huge success with that. Uh, black cohosh make sure that if you are getting it naturally uh, to use a good solid provider um, that Mm -hmm. does clinical testing and third-party testing uh the headaches uh i also recommend uh, a drop of peppermint oil essential oils that's been been very helpful again anecdotally around the world but the essential oils are a nice component so what Taylor? basically what you basically did is you broke it down from the most natural to the most uh, progressive. I also like that um, you worked, you you touched on uh, the lighter uh, depression medicines, the, one, the Zoloft and the Lexapro, because those are the most benign. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's always uh, the best place to start, and as Taylor mentioned earlier, if you can start with the lowest possible dose. Because it, it seems to work across all of these conditions. So we're going to go into Q and A. Uh, Dee, could you unmute yourself, or do I need to unmute you? Let's see. Do we have any questions in the Facebook group? If not, I'm going to go to the ones that I. Have. I do not hear her. So I'm going to I'm going to go to the ones I have. Uh, we did we did have a question about hair. Um, what uh susan's losing her hair and it's thinning out so uh what did you recommend for that again
1: so evening primrose oil anecdotally has um shown to be very helpful for not necessarily reversing hair loss but preventing hair loss vitamin b6 and b12 are also actually very helpful in um reversing hair loss and helping with hair regrowth, and then also collagen, which I didn't mention. Um, I really like marine collagen, and like Ron said, you want to make sure that you really research where you get your supplements from. A lot of them are not um, regulated by the FDA, and so you really want to, not that that often means a ton, but um, you do want to really research where you get, um, get things from, but I Really recommend for hair loss and for brittle hair, um, evening primrose oil, a good vitamin uh, B complex, B6 and B12, and then also um, collagen, a good collagen, which is a – it's a you can take it in a capsule. You can also mix it into water, coffee, tea, smoothies, um, juices, anything like that that you like to drink. You can easily mix it in daily. That helps with hair, skin, and nails. Um, and then there are some – if you need a little extra boost, there are some um, topical things that you can use as well. Um, I work for a all-natural, non-toxic, vegan skincare and hair care line, and a lot of the women that I work with, they take those supplements, and then they also use a, a topical treatment that we have. And so I'm happy to provide the information about that for women as
0: well. That's awesome. We've also seen some anecdotal evidence that biotube is helpful.
1: So, uh. yeah, biotin can be helpful. Um, I have seen it be really helpful for growing healthier um, nails and for making hair stronger. But for the hair regrowth, I find that the B6 and B12 and the collagen seem to be more helpful. And then once you have that regrowth coming in, yes, the biotin for... Um, strengthening the hair follicles so that you then have a less likely chance of having that hair loss once again.
0: Sure, and the um, the, the section that you taught on the vaginal dryness was, was world class. Uh, <laughs> that 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 needs to get out to every every woman in menopause across the United States because um, the, the drier you are, the less comfortable intercourse is, the less intercourse you're going to have. It's going to, it can pray your relationships as well, and uh, and it makes you feel less of a woman, and you're not less of a woman because you're going through menopause. So it's a, it's that negative cycle that I talked about during uh, Growth Mindset Day, where we can we we can we cannot beat ourselves up about little things right now, but we can work on those 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 things uh, with all those great resources that you gave and not let it become a bigger problem uh, in terms of yourself, your self-talk and in terms of your relationship. So um, it's, uh, that, that's a huge, huge topic. And uh, Virginia Virginia asked about that. Uh, Jessica asked about the headaches. Uh, you covered that extremely well. Uh, hot flashes and night sweats. Eva was, was very concerned about that. There are actually two different symptoms, wouldn't you say? even though they both, both affect us with sweating, they, they may be generated uh, differently for different women. Some some get both, some get one.
1: Yeah. So I would say if you're having night sweat, which, yes, a lot of women will say, I don't really get hot flashes during the day, but for some reason I wake up and I'm soaked to the bone. Um, so the same dietary triggers, I think, are good to avoid. So um, – if you usually have a glass of wine at night before you go to bed, maybe try taking that away. See if that helps. If you drink a lot of caffeine, try to reduce or 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 um, take the the caffeine out of your diet. Um, obviously, spicy foods. I don't I don't know that that would necessarily help with night sweats, but definitely hot flashers. Um, but simple things like using a a box fan or like an oscillating fan next to your bed. Um, you want to, It sounds counterintuitive, but you don't want to drink really cold beverage before you go to sleep. The reason is that your your core body temperature is decreasing, and so your skin temperature is rising, and you actually develop that those 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 sweats. For it's a it's a, a trigger reaction, and so before you go to bed, actually having like a not hot but like a warm cup of tea might be helpful. Um, that is also anecdotal, but seems to be very helpful. Um, And if you are experiencing the hot flashes, the night sweats, more so than the daily hot flashes, try taking your supplements before you go to bed. Um, Sleeping, obviously, without, like, a big furry blanket or quilt and more with um, cotton sheets, but sheets that are breathable can be really helpful. Um, And, oh, something that can be really helpful, before you go to bed, if you're having night sweats, try doing a meditation or progressive relaxation before you go to sleep not promising that it will help everybody but for some women it really helps to do that progressive relaxation and that meditation before bed
0: and these are, these are universal truths uh, we all need to be more conscious of our sleep hygiene um, mm-hmm. and sleep hygiene can be as simple as putting away the cell phone or turning off uh, netflix an hour before you go to bed doing a little bit of light reading, Meditation is fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, breathing, uh, uh, breathing is totally underrated in uh, in our society, but mm-hmm. consciously breathing, it, it makes all the difference. You sleep better, and it can reduce your night sweat. Taylor Murphy, what an absolute joy it was to have you today. I, I can't thank you thank on behalf of the ladies enough, and... Uh, uh, we will hopefully see you somewhere down the line because uh, that, that was so amazing. And thank you for the resources you're providing the ladies as well.
1: Absolutely. And I'll, just, I'll close by just encouraging um, everyone here that um, if you're having a hard day, as Ron said, you are absolutely not alone. Um, think of all the other women who are in your position and that you're not alone. Lean on this community, this group that you have. Um, and just do something today to take care of you and um, to just remind yourself of how powerful and healthy and wonderful you are.
0: Uh, Brene Brown would be, would be uh, 100% with us. Uh, it, we are all here for each other. We are walking this path with you. So thank you, everybody, and we will see you in the Facebook group.
1: Thank you, Ron.